Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9 Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring Yes, welcome once again to another edition of Fender Bender on Joy 94.9 My name is Tim Nicholson, I'm very excited to have your company today Uh, Massive thanks to Luke and the gang for Critical Hit They will be back for more gaming good times next week of course Uh, We've got heaps coming up, so we're going to get right into it very very soon After a uh, very fun song, joined by Mike Costello and Matty Brogan today We're going to chat with Paul Mathers from uh, Motor Classica About that wonderful event coming up in October with all the classics and some new ones as well Mike drives a Honda Accord hybrid and tells us all about that very, very soon. And Maddie Brogan is going to give us the hot tip on how to keep warm this winter in your car. And I'm here with some lovely men. I've got Mike Costello. Hello. Hi, Tim. How are you? Oh, you know, kind of cold. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah. chilly. Um, it is a little bit chilly today, but you're warm, you're warm, and we're warm here because we're joined by none other than Maddie Brogan. Oh, thanks, Timmy. Good it's to been see a you. while. It has been a very long while, actually. Too long. Have you been avoiding us? Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. yeah. I knew it. We keep inviting <laughs> Matt down, and he keeps turning us down. It's, uh... It's been insulting, Matt, I've got to say. You know, guys, it, it's Saturday. There's toys in the garage to play with. It's, it's such a bad time. You might want to qualify precisely what <laughs> yeah. sort of toys you're talking about. Yeah, well... It's, yeah, that's a true... That's a true... Um, we, we are worried about what you are, you are doing in your personal look, house. Look, greasy toys with nuts and bolts. Not, nothing, nothing too personal. But um, toys that require attention nonetheless. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's yes. well good. Yeah. We're glad to have your company. <laughs> We're very excited to see you. You've been doing uh, you've been doing lots of busy things with your work and driving fast cars. We spoke to your colleague Fian the other week. He told us all about some fast cars you yeah, were driving. That, it was a pretty exciting event. Um, it, it was one that was. Um you know, we weren't too sure how it was going to go down, but it was received really well. So um, we're, mm. we're thrilled with, with the response to it and uh, look forward to it again next year. That's true. That's true. Yes. And uh, Mike Costello here drove a very fast car this week. Oh, man, it was it was mind-boggling. Of all Blistering. the fast supercars I've driven, you know, the Honda Accord Sport <laughs> Hybrid. Yeah. Uh, don't forget the word sport because you cannot forget the word sport how because when I, I think Honda Accord, I think sport. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's it's a new model that launched on the market and I guess I'll go into a bit more detail a bit later on. But, you, uh, yeah, it's, true. it's not often I drive a car that leaves me so <laughs> bemused. So, there's that. We'll look forward to hearing all about that. And Maddie Brogan is going to give us the hot tip on uh, how to stay safe this winter in your car because you do have to be careful there's slippy roads and all that kind of stuff so uh, uh, do stick around and of course uh, the lovely Paul Mathers from Motor Classica finding out a bit more information about uh, Motor Classica which is coming up in October Uh, lots of old um, incredible cars and they've got some fantastic programs this year and some shiny shiny new ones so he's going to tell us what they're going to be but in the meantime let's get right into some weekly news guys I'm just going to move my little microphone because I can't see your face Matty Brogan I'd like to see both of you there's a lot of foam in front of me it's, oh, it's all consuming here. <laughs> oh, that kind of fun. That yes, fun. Yes. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Uh, now, uh, boys, we, there has been a reveal this week that I feel, for me personally, has been a bit of a letdown. 
and that is Peugeot has finally, finally confirmed the 308 GTI hot hatch. What do you mean it's a letdown? Did you see it? Yeah. It's a bit Dullsville. Uh, no, it's classy. Oh, okay. It's, re- it's reserved <laughs> classy. and classy. Do you reckon? Yes. There's two schools classy. of hot hatch thought. There's Larry... Bright hot hatches with big body kits and spoilers and stupid bits on them. And then there's the classy, reserved, sort of demure-looking yeah. sleeper ones. Yeah. And, and the Golf Jetty Eyes one. And this is another. It's yeah, I, th- I, think, I think Mike's yeah. on to something there. If you want to keep a low profile and stay away from those things with the blue lights on the roof, <laughs> this is right. the way to do it. I won't, I won't well, get too yeah. techie, but this is really quite a remarkable car. Yeah. Its, it's engine is only 1.6 litres, mm. which is tiny. And it's got up to 200 kilowatts. Yeah. Now, that is frankly a ludicrous amount of power to get out of an engine that's small Um, and you know Peugeot has done some pretty amazing work to get it there there's some really cool you know it's got some amazing racing tyres on it it's got huge Brembo brakes it's got a really clever front differential on it Mm. it's got all the right ingredients to be pretty special Uh, and as far as being a Golf GDI rival goes on paper it looks the goods and from what I know about the regular 308 and Mm. the 308 GT which is kind of the warm one having spent quite a bit of time in both of those cars Mm. I'd be very surprised if this wasn't a very good thing the only concern for us is it's not 100% confirmed for Australia because of course Peugeot being a French brand focuses on Europe first and foremost uh, and they're not going to make a whole lot of these cars so even though hot hatches are incredibly popular in Australia more popular here than anywhere else in the entire world on a per capita basis there's a small chance you won't see it for quite a while so Peugeot enthusiasts lobby hard yeah, because mm. mm. otherwise you'd be wait. You'd, you've basically got the two hundred eight GTI, and that's that's pretty much it on there in their little yeah catalog at the moment. But that has that same kind of thing. That's quite a sedate looking thing, isn't it? The two hundred eight Peugeot's definitely going for the. But you know, Peugeot has such a long history of iconic performance cars, and Peugeot Sport worked on this, and of course mm. they do all the rally cars. Uh, Peugeot's been in WRC, Dakar Rally, Pikes Peak Rallies, all these really you know famous prestigious events, yeah. and and this car really kind of stems from that DNA. So. Yeah. It should be brilliant. I must say, I, I should uh, preface it as well, because we've got the, the, there are two versions of this car. One's a little bit more powerful, and that one has uh, this fabulous paintwork. Which, that, uh, they've got some wanky name for it. The one, that, the one that looks like it's diagonally reversed into some black paint. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly That's, what it's yeah. done, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. So it's got red at the front, and then it's this weird line, and then it's black at the back. That looks sexy. You know, they just ran out of black paint. They yeah. started painting it and then thought, oh, crap. Well, PSA All does we have not left have a lot is of red. money. Exactly. What are you going to do? Dong Feng need to inject more money into PSA. I always forget that Dong Feng owns part of Peugeot. Oh, how could you forget that name? It's just the new way. I've just got Dong on the brain, you could say. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so, no, that's exciting. Hopefully that will get to Australia at some point, but we will keep our eyes peeled. Some other local stuff this week. Um, uh, we will found out that uh, Mercedes-Benz will finally, finally have a competitor for the Audi Q5 and the BMW X3. It's probably the only weak link in Mercedes' range. The fact that it has no medium-sized SUV, Mm. which is what everybody's buying at the moment. And Mercedes-Benz Australia hasn't made a lot of friends globally uh, Mm. because it's lobbied so hard to get the GLK, which is the current model, which was never made in right-hand drive. Mm. Mm. And uh, that was a real... It was a really bad call by Mercedes, and they've finally rectified it now. Yeah. So this is basically a C-Class underneath, in a lot of ways. C-Class powertrains, very similar to a C-Class cabin, but it's an SUV body. Yeah, 
and it looks well. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of the jury's out. I think on the looks. I am too. I need it's to quite see droopy. It in the flesh. It's quite... I'm I'm out on the looks, but you just know that badge, that size, that packaging. Totally. Everything else is going right for it. So if you can get your head around the looks, it, it'll sell. It'll sell strongly. I yeah. actually suggested we. Uh, I think you were in this launch as well, Mike. The CLA shooting break two a couple of weeks ago, and I asked the managing director of the Australian Mercedes Benz Australia whether he thought because I just assumed that this would be like oh this will be their biggest seller, and I said that to him. He said oh you, this is going to be like this is going to overtake C class. He's like no. Nah. No, don't think so. He goes, he just they think that that segment's like big, but it's not big enough. But I, I, I don't know. I reckon it's just going to blow everything out of the water. Wow, that's what I think too. (laughs) So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they say. Actually, Mm. it'll just be interesting to see if people go crazy for it. I reckon they will. Everyone loves a badge, don't they? Of course. Goodness me. And speaking (laughs) of badges, cat sound. That's me trying to be uh, a jaguar. I can't do it. I can't do cat noises. So I'm just going to say the words cat sound. Jaguar, ladies and gentlemen, also also had a gaping hole in their lineup and now they have filled it with the XE, which is like a three series rival and a C class rival. It's really impressive that you managed to make that kind of, you know, full of. What's the word I'm looking for? Of course, Jaguar is a company that's on the bounce back. Mm. Uh, it sort of had a bit of a lean trot and it's been missing a massive part of its range. Globally, the most popular type of luxury car bought is the C-Class, the 3 Series, mm. the, the A4, that sort of medium executive sedan. And the last time Jaguar did this, it had a Ford-based car oh. uh, called the X-Type that was mm. rubbish, absolute rubbish. Uh, this one, however, is a different beast altogether. Yep. Uh, everyone that has driven this car overseas rates it very, very highly, and that includes yeah. a number of our colleagues. Yeah. Um, and it looks the business. And, you know, they announced pricing this week. So it's a tick over 60 grand, which is right up yeah. there with a 3 Series and a C-Class. It's basically parity. Um, as you go further up the range, the value gets better because you can get more power for less than most of its rivals. Mm. I guess the question is, though, do people consider Jaguar to be in the same mould as That's Mercedes? Would they cross-shop the two? Is a Jaguar badge as... I guess, you know, evocative and prestigious as a BMW one. Because Volvo, of course, has tried this. So has Infiniti. So has Lexus. They've all tried to go up against the Germans in this segment. And not all of them have done so well. Mm. So can Jaguar succeed where others have failed? Well, it's also because it's a new vehicle for them. Is it a bit cheeky that they're just going, yeah, we're just going to price it at the same as these very established But, I mean, Jaguar model. is Jaguar is an iconic brand. Mm. It's not like it's coming out of left True. field. Um, and this car, by all intents and purposes, is bloody good. Mm. Everybody yeah. raves about it. I was it. just going to say, I think from what I've heard, and I haven't driven it, but from what I've heard, if you can get yourself behind the driver's seat, you will be won over. Um, and, yeah. and it was put to me as simply as that. Like Everyone oh, okay. that I've spoken to has said, look, it is that good. You just mm-hmm. have to drive it. So hanging out for that one. Yeah, all right. Mm. Well, well, we'll September 1 it launches, so yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Exactly. Mm. We'll give you our verdict then, which, you know, as everyone knows, the Fender Bender verdict is the only <laughs> verdict you should be listening to. Um, yeah, so look, we've got lots more coming up uh, very, very shortly. Maddie B is going to go all safety, safety on us. So uh, I've got the yellow vest on. <laughs> you got the high viz. I thought that was just to pick up tradies, though. <laughs> well. Either way, either way. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Stick around. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. You have Tim, Mike and Maddie B hanging out with you. On an arctically freezing Melbourne afternoon. Mm. But we are keeping each other warm with our beauty. I'm not sure what I'm saying. <laughs> We're all sharing one microphone, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. <laughs> <Are we laughs> 
I was going to be even creepier than that, but I will not. I will not. That's what we have Be the better man, Tim. <laughs> I've never done that in my life. Why would I start now? Um, now, it is winter. It is very cold. And it is a good time to ensure that you are uh, safe on the roads. It is. It's. Uh, I don't, look, I don't know the stats. I haven't done my homework. But there are lots of accidents. Even just the other night on my way home from Sandringham to the other side of town, there were three accidents on slippery kind of roads. It's really amazing Shocking. how a lot of people actually... It's self-evident to, to a lot of people, but some people aren't aware that when you're driving in the wet, you know, your brake distances do change. Yeah. And the car's responses do change. And uh, some people just aren't aware that the conditions are, you know, incredibly influential on the behaviour of your car. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think Mike's, Mike's really nailed the big one there. And it is, it is stopping distance. And it mm. is also that, you know, people have had six months of, of nice, dry, sticky, warm roads and, and yeah. tyres that will actually stop you and have probably done very, very little to their car to actually prepare it for the change in season. And, mm. and that's a it's a it's a big tip, you know. If, yeah. if, if you're not sort of kosher with cars and, and you can't do it yourself, just drop down to the mechanics and say, hey, it's winter. Can you have a look at my tyres? Can you yeah. have, make sure all my lights are working, that the wiper blades work, that the demister's going to work? You know, all, the, all these little things that you sort of go, oh, it's winter, I kind of need those. Mm. And, oh, they don't work. <laughs> and the next thing you're uh, stopping using somebody else's brakes. So, yeah, yeah, pays to, you know, just, just either go through the yeah. owner's manual and have a look yourself if, if you feel comfortable or mm. just pop down the garage and, and get someone to run over it. It doesn't cost that much. And, in fact... There's a lot of the, I won't name brands, but there's a lot of the tyre places that will actually check it out for you free of charge. Really? Yeah, so okay. it, it's worth hunting them down yeah. and going and, and taking them up on the offer. Do a bit of a call around. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah. so it's that simple. It's those kind of basic things you think that, that could be your undoing. Like, again, like tyres or your windscreen wipers, I guess, is an obvious one. Yeah, yeah. well, look, if you can't see where you're going, you're not going to stop. And <laughs> <laughs> when it does come time to stop, yep. you, you kind of want what's under you to, to actually work. So, mm. you know, if the if the tyres haven't been... Uh, especially the air pressure hasn't been checked for a long time, yeah. well worth popping into the servo and just making sure it does match up what's in your owner's manual. Yeah. And if they look a bit, you know, bald, maybe it's time to yeah. uh, to invest in some new rubber and I don't mean popping into the chemist. <laughs> it's very easy to, to write off the importance of tyres when you have a car. You yeah. sort of think, oh, you know... They'll be fine. That yeah. black, Whatever. that round. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, and it's so expensive but, often. But tyres make a difference to every facet of the car. Mm. Fuel economy, handling braking distance obviously uh general road holding mm. there is no no part of the car's performance that isn't in some way affected by the tires mm. and if your tires aren't up to speed you'll especially notice it in winter yeah. and i know getting a new set of rubber is pricey what's pricier yeah. is the excess you'll pay mm. if you crash into the back of another car because your tires don't stop yeah. you That's so true. it's sort of a inconvenient yeah. truth yeah and there's things like you know should people be going kind of and getting their brakes brake pads checked and that kind of thing as Look, well if, is this if, a time if of you're year keeping for that? your car regularly serviced you, you probably don't have that to worry about as much if you've got an older car mm. it probably is worth having that in the back of your mind you know when was the last time it was done and if you can't remember when it was the last time it was done it's probably a good idea somebody pops the yeah. wheel off and just has a look you know yep. um like like i said most of the time it's mm. probably not going to cost you anything or a whole lot yeah for somebody that knows what they're looking for yeah just to you know stick their head in there and go Ugh, and um, have, a squeeze. have a look at that yeah yeah is there anything people can do themselves or do you think that it's more appropriate if you know what you're looking for to do it yourself. Look, I think if you've got a, a very basic understanding or, or, or even the most, you know, if you can pick up a hammer or a drill around the house, you've, you've probably got enough now to check your tyres, to check your wiper blades and, you know, to walk around your car and say, oh, gee, there's a blown light globe there. Maybe I yeah. should pop into, you know, 
the, the local servo and, and grab one and replace it. Yeah. It's, it's really not that hard. Yeah. Your owner's manual can genu- uh, generally talk you through that sort of stuff. So, you know, look, give it a go. Yep. The, the worst that's going to happen is is it's not going to work still and mm. you're going to have to pop down to the garage and, and maybe spend half an hour to, to get it done. Yeah. Um, and look, the other thing is just just keep keep your vision up. You know, look look a little bit further ahead than than you usually would. Don't look down at your phone. Yeah. Don't get tempted to play with the sat nerv or get off grinder. Just <laughs> you know, but don't just look at the car in front. Try and look three, four, five cars in front, and just just see what's going on. Because as Mike said, it's going to take you longer to stop, especially if it's just started raining and the roads are just yeah. starting to get a little bit slick. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we live, uh, or the way that people drive these days, I just feel is so selfish and that everyone's really just kind of focused on themselves and it's rare to find a driver um, that is aware of their surroundings and we, you know, we have to be with our job and that kind of thing as well. But um, I think so many people just on the road are just out, I've just got to get to work and that's their sole focus and they just don't concentrate on yeah. the job and, that they're doing in the car. And if I could just add one more thing yeah. to that, Tim, is that, you know, it not only takes longer for you to stop, but have have a really good think about your friends in in semi trailers and in B doubles oh, and that totally. sort of thing. You know, imagine it takes us sort of another five ten meters longer to stop in a car. Yep. You times that by you know another sixty ton, and those guys have got a lot of work. So stay out of their way. <laughs> On that, I, I noticed this the other day. That it was it was raining, and I was in a car, and the um the the mirrors, the external mirrors, had water on them, so they were kind of hard to see mm. with the windows. That side windows also had water on them, so it's kind of not great. And there was a motorbike to my side, and I know you're a, a motorbike rider, Matty B, and it's that's something to be really aware of as well as cyclists yeah. in the rain and um, people on motorbikes yeah. because they're twice as hard to see when it's nighttime and it's raining yeah. it's bad enough when it's not raining and, but when and it's raining. look there, there's some great products out there like um you know rainex is an old tried and true favorite you could just pop into the auto shop you take it home clean your glass and yeah. pop it on and it will sort of help that water bead off yeah. and help you see out so yeah. you know clean your glass clean your headlights make sure everything works and yeah. you know just get out there and be safe exactly that's yeah. that's what we're saying just be safe um but if you do have any questions or if you've got any queries that you want answered uh, about safety and winter kind of preparedness we would love to hear from you. Text in 0427JOY949 or email on air at joy.org.au. Matty Brogan will be here for the next 35 minutes to answer your questions. Uh, and he will Great do radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to do that sometimes, uh, just to throw it in there. So thank you, Matty B. That's uh, much appreciated. Uh, now, just going back to a little bit of news, speaking of engines and that kind of thing, can you guess, can you guess who won International Engine of the Year this year. Well, it would be unfair of me to That's feign true. ignorance because <laughs> I'm actually aware uh, of who won. Just um, tell us. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, for the last three years in a row, it's been won by Ford's EcoBoost one-litre three-cylinder engine, which mm. finished second this year. Uh, and it was won by another three-cylinder engine of sorts, BMW's i8 plug-in hybrid powertrain, which, mm. as the name would suggest, is a hybrid car that can be plugged into a wall. So it's got an electric motor, got a generator, got a battery pack, and got a three-cylinder petrol engine. And the i8 is, you could say, the first electrified supercar. Mm. It looks like nothing else on the road. It's a amazing bit of machinery. Um, but the interesting part of it is in third place was Peugeot's, El Peugeot Citroën's 1.2-litre three-cylinder, which means the top three positions oh. were all occupied by three-cylinder engines. That's and of the 11 categories, not one was a diesel. All petrols or electric cars. And the Tesla Model S won a category, the Ferrari 458. Sorry, 488 won a category. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there, there was a wide spread of cars that were victorious, but none of them diesel. And the first three, three pots. Yeah. Some of the times, maybe. 
A little bit. Mm. Well, do you think that they were aware that the BMW i8 won Fender Bender's Raddest Car of the Year award Look, last I year? Look, I think they they repeatedly asked me to be the on the judging panel of the International Engine of the Year for that reason, and I had to rebuff them because <laughs> obviously it'd be a conflict because I'm part bit. of Fender Bender's exactly. award panel, and you know we can't spread ourselves too thin. No, no, no spreading here. That's <laughs> what I've always said. No, but the i8 is amazing. It's yep. an amazing car. It's there's nothing else quite like it out yeah. there, and it's good to see it's getting the recognition that it deserves. It's true. It's true. Um, some other news was uh, there's been some changes at the top in the uh, Kia Hyundai Group now. This one is interesting because so uh, for the listeners, uh, Peter Schreyer. Uh, who came from Audi, became the head designer of Kia and changed that company, really. Well, Kia was really clever. They they realised their image was terrible. Mm. Nobody liked Kias. And they went and hired the guy that designed the Audi TT, yeah. one of the most iconic cars of all time, mm. Dove, drove a dump truck of money to his house, I assume, because <laughs> they'd moved to Korea uh, or, or you know spent a lot of your time in Germany yeah. and uh, designed cars for us. And yeah. Kia's design renaissance was incredible. Yeah. And he then went to Hyundai. Uh, and he's still there and he's still doing great things. He's very senior in the company, but mm. he's almost due to retire like Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> He's getting a bit too old for this. Um, and they've... And, uh, well, I don't know if this is official, but it's certainly all the chatter is that his replacement has been found. And it's yeah. a guy with a rather hilarious name that I'm looking forward to saying very much. Good, because uh, Luke, I don't know how to pronounce it. Luke Dunkevulka. <laughs> Dunkevulka. That sounds about right. Yes. It man, sounds like what it looks he's, like. He's a Volkswagen staffer, a Bentley designer. Uh, what has he designed exactly? What, what are some of his signature designs? Oh, now I, I assume should the Bentley know this. Continental. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there were a couple of Volkswagen things. Nothing that really... Nothing as iconic as Peter Schreyer and the Audi TT. I read the list and I, to be honest, can't remember, but there was nothing that made me go, oh, wow, that's impressive. I was just mm. like, oh, yeah. But that's nothing, probably what nothing you else. Want. Somebody that's you know conservative, progressive, but yeah. not not over the top. I think they've well. Well, they've not, had that. They've had that, and it didn't work. So yeah. let's let's just try and you know just 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 work at it slowly, bit by bit. But Don't th- be too. Yeah. I think the best thing about this guy, Mr. Dunkavulka, is mm. uh, like mm. all car designers, he has a rather signature uh, fashion sense. Mm-hmm. This man would not be caught dead. Without a stylish skivvy on, mm-hmm. often a white skivvy. It is he a rocks white the skivvy with the suit jacket, and uh, it's sort of a, a bit Steve Jobish, but you know, it's a white skivvy with with yeah. a suit and the rather pensive expression. Not yeah. not the strange uh, tortoiseshell tortoiseshell glasses like a lot of designers seem to favour. No, but he does look like the fifth wiggle. He does uh, look when like he dresses the fifth up in his skivvy, so that's, that's exciting. He does. He looks quite amazing. And what I just don't understand though is, it's now such a cliche for an automotive designer to have this get up and. Uh, Matty Brogan, you are currently wearing what I would suggest is a pair of glasses that you would see. I love them. I think they're fabulous, but they are—they could potentially yeah, the, the, be the, the thick black designer glasses. Well, I'll give it a go. Borrow yeah. <laughs> <a> handy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's either that. It's either one or the other. And this guy is—I'd love to see an automotive designer really conservative suit. Just like an a old suit triple with a tie. Suit. Well, Mankini, maybe. I reckon. <laughs> well, depending on what they look like. The car would probably look yeah. like a Homer, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Now, very shortly, we're going to talk to the lovely Paul Mathers and get all of the goss, the lowdown, if you will, on Motor Classica. So make sure you stick around. This is Fender Bender, Tim, Mike and Maddie Brogan here with you. Uh, and we are also joined on the line by the very lovely Paul Mathers from Motor Classica. Paul, are you there? I'm here. What a, what a nice intro. The very lovely. <laughs> I, I'm going to on that for years. <laughs> well, it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> you, you're very lovely and I suspect you're very busy as well. 
Oh, well, um, no, not too busy to talk to you. Oh, bless you, Cotton Socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's great to talk to you, and uh, obviously we've been following uh, Motor Classic over the last few years and watching it grow over the last few years, and I think it looks like it's going to be growing even further come uh, this October. I know, isn't it exciting? Yeah. I think that um, right at the beginning we were there and, you know, five years ago or six years ago, coming up six years ago, didn't even know if it had happened, and now... Um, you know, we've kind of almost become the default motor show um, for Australia, which is really exciting. That is fantastic. It's And, you know, from a perspective of new cars as well, that was, you know, that's been slowly building and is obviously going to ramp up uh, this year as well. So uh, a few yeah. more manufacturers lined up to show some new product this year. So far this year, so that's kind of exciting. I mean, you know, the manufacturers, at least the, the Prestige and Exotics, they were always a, a big part of the plan for Motor Classic. It's just that it's taken some time for that to come to any kind of real critical mass, I suppose. And um, yes, you know, the, you know, a number of them have jumped on board this year. We've got, um, you know, Porsche, Alpha, Lotus, Ferrari, Maserati, BMW, Citroen, Morgan, uh, Mini, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz. Um, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, it's it's all happening, and so they've obviously seen um, the success that some of the other car makers have had in the past at, at bringing you know new product to a, what is essentially a classic car show, and and jumped on. So that's uh, that's good news. Well, I think I think what they've got is that they've recognised that they've got something over some of the other brands out there, and that is heritage, and and they've got long track records and and big stories behind them as well as brands. And they've also recognised that Motor Classic is a place that they can come to talk to a, a really targeted group of people that really care about motor cars. I mean, um, I had this conversation with somebody the other day. I think the average visitor to Motor Classica looks upon their motor car as an extension of themselves. You know, just like we, you know, we define ourselves by the way we dress or the house we live in or the people we mix with. Mm. We define ourselves also by the cars that we drive. And, um, and that's a... That type of audience is a very informed audience, and it's not the sort that I think the manufacturers were used to seeing at, say, a traditional motor show. Mm. But when they come along the Motor Classic, that's exactly the type of audience they see. But I think it's been a quite an eye-opener for some of them. Yep. Of course, the others have jumped on board because they, they, they see that it's working. And do you think, would, would you guys kind of require for any car company coming along that wants to show some new stuff, do they have to have a bit of history, do you think? Yeah, look, to be honest with you, I think that um, that there's some brands that aren't going to meet their target market at Motor Classica, mm. and so we'd probably advise them that it's not the show for them. Um, I'm sure that there are lots of other opportunities for those types of brands, but, I mean, if you're wanting to get to a mass market of, of people that are using cars just to commute from A to B, then uh, and, and they're, you know, they're buying cars at a certain price point, then, you know, perhaps Motor Classica isn't for them. Mm. But certainly for those um, for those prestige brands um, and for those that market themselves as lifestyle brands, then absolutely, you know, mm. we'd, um, we'd like all those types of brands in. And, and, and you know, what's, what, who's to say what history is? I mean, we have, um, you know, you look at a, a company like McLaren, um, which really, as a, as a road car, has not been around for very long, mm. um, but they've got a fantastic story behind them. And um, I think that, you know, that's what it's about. It's about fabulous stories as, as, as much as, as, as history. Mm. 
But do you think do you think it would get to a point where you kind of go, all right, well that's enough. We've we've got enough new car brands, um, and kind of cap it, cap the number of of other brands that are showing stuff like new metal there. Yeah, I think that that's inevitable. Ultimately, I mean, we can't afford to lose our main focus. This is a car for, sorry, this is a show for car enthusiasts mm. and, and people that want to see that historical stuff. So, you know, I I would never um, sacrifice a position for a car in our Concorde d'Elegance to put in a manufacturer's stand just because somebody wanted one. Um, that is just not going to happen. You know, for the last yeah. six years, we've had 104 cars in Concorde, 30 cars for auction, and somewhere 40 and 50 motorcycles in Concorde. And it's, it, it will be like that in another five years' time too. That, that mm. part's not going to change. Yep. And do you anticipate that you've, you'll always have enough room at the exhibition centre? I mean, you might need more space, Paul. Yeah, that's always the challenge. I mean, at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, we're investigating the possibility of putting cars up on the gallery level, oh. which is quite interesting. Now, in the old days of the motor show, you're probably too young to remember, and oh. I didn't live here, but um, they used to actually have car displays on the, the gallery level of the Royal Exhibition Building. Mm. So we're just going through a bit of a process there now to see whether that might be viable. And if it is, then... Um, I think he was going to say something then, but it sounds like we've lost him. But that's I think he walked right. into a tunnel. I think he did walk into a tunnel. That oh, no. was the very lovely Paul Mathers at, uh, on a mobile, but uh, look, on there's a, not much. On a bad there. mobile. And there he is right now. <laughs> and I don't know how to answer that phone, so that's super awkward. <laughs> Bear with us. Hello? Hi, just dropped out. And you're back. I'm back. That was amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you called back. Um, Paul May, this has returned. Sorry? That you've returned. That's fabulous. Oh, it just yeah. came through on another phone. I got very confused. But I'm, we're glad to have you back. I was just going to ask you about, we're talking about all the new cars and stuff that, that are going to be shown there. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the classics, what are you guys highlighting this year? Oh, this year's a really cool year. And I think that it's going to apply, uh, so really um, appeal to not just the sort of old-timers, like me, I dare say, um, but also to the younger crowd. Um, the bigger anniversary that we're celebrating here is 50 years of the supercar. So we're, we're taking the Lamborghini Mura, which is generally considered to be the first of the modern-day supercars, and we're celebrating 50 years of that. So you're going to see a number of Ferraris there, you're going to see a number of Lamborghinis, and then you're going to see some interesting one-offs like the Pagani Zonda and the Koenigsegg CCX, and the McLaren F1, um, the Jaguar XJ220, and the Jaguar XKR15, I think it is, which is the road-going version of the Le Mans car from the 1990s. Um, we've got some really, really cool metal on display in that 50 years of supercar. Um, I mean, you know, just look at that McLaren F1. I mean, Rowan Atkinson just sold his for $16 million. What the what? Yeah. And he crashed it a bunch of times yeah. too, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he crashed it twice. Oh, <laughs> so good. a car that had been written off twice could get that that sort of money. I mean, I wonder what a car like this would get. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's that's an incredible display in itself. And then if you take the complete other end of the spectrum, well, the Bugatti Car Club of Australia is celebrating 50 years this year, and um, they've put together a really wonderful display of 18 pre-World War II Bugattis um, ranging from the sort of entry-level Brescia, Type 23 Brescia, 
right through to the Type 57C Atalanta. Um, now that's a that's a four or five million dollar car right there. Um, so really broad range of very beautiful Bugattis, both sporting Bugattis and um, sort of road Bugattis. That's very exciting. And just briefly, I know there's a couple of other motor shows that are kind of happening in Melbourne uh, now. We we saw one a few months back, and there's another one coming up. I think Motor World it might be called at Sandown Raceway. I, I, I know you've probably been asked this a lot. Do, do, are you threatened by these kind of shows, or do you think you guys are, are different enough that you stand alone? Yeah, I don't think that we're threatened. I mean, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? <laughs> I noticed that, that the show that was on a few months ago had a great big classic car display. Um, so, no, not really. I mean, we offer something that's very, very different to any kind of mainstream motor show. Mm. Um, the opportunity that we offer our exhibitors is really unique. Um, the environment that we've created is really unique. And the visitor experience, I believe, too, is, is really unique as well. Mm. Um, so, no, I don't feel threatened by it. Um, I don't really think about it a lot, to be honest. Yeah. Um, they, they're doing what they're doing, and, you know, I, like any car-loving punter, will probably go to those shows as well. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear. There's no no bad blood. No. Um, absolutely. Well, look, Paul, it's lovely to speak to you as always. Now, where can uh, tickets on sale yet or not quite yet? Tickets are on sale now. Get out on of the town. Website. It's www.motorclassica.com.au. Fabulous. Excellent. Look, well, good luck with the show. We'll, uh, we'll hopefully, we might even speak to you again closer to the time or while it's on, who knows. But uh, have a fabulous show this year and we wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks Ter- for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you. That is Paul Mathers, of course, from Motor Classica. We've got heaps more coming up, and I'm strapping myself in to hear about the Honda Accord hybrid sport, 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 sport. This is Fender Bender on Joy (laughs) 94.9. And you have Tim, Mike, and Matty Brogan here with you for another 15 minutes or so talking cars. We get to drive cars in our jobs, which is very, very, very exciting and fun. And uh, sometimes we get to drive great cars. Sometimes we get to drive cars that are a little bit flawed. And we like to talk about both of those, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit a little bit Honda. We're going to go deep mm. inside of Honda right now. Honda, 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 Honda. Honda Well-known Honda. brand, well-loved brand for good reason. The mm. BMW of Japan for many years. <gasps> they were, weren't they? They mm. really were. And in some ways still is. In some ways, although in fewer ways than perhaps <laughs> it used to be. And Honda's run on some hard times of late. It has shown some good signs of recovery in recent years. It's launched some pretty interesting product. Mm. The HRV Chief among them. This week, it launched the Honda Accord Sport Hybrid. The interesting thing about this car is Honda was a bit of a hybrid pioneer in Australia. It was among the first, if not the first, to introduce a hybrid car in Australia with the Insight in 2001, that weird, funky car with wheel spats on the back, if anyone out there remembers it. And that car and the Toyota Prius were really the the trendsetters of the whole hybrid movement. Mm. Over that ensuing time, Honda has had a number of hybrid cars in Australia. At one point, it had up to four models, which made it, perhaps the well, the second uh, largest hybrid producer uh, to sell cars in Australia. Um, however, it discontinued all of those progressively uh, up until about February of this year because they were all getting a bit long in the tooth. And for the past few months, it hasn't had a hybrid car at all. It's now changed that. And that's why the Accord Sport Hybrid is important. Now, I say Sport Hybrid, and I don't know why I say Sport Hybrid because despite the badge, this is not a sporty car. Uh, this car sits at the top of the Accord range and 
and Ergo. It sits at the top of the Honda range. It's the most expensive Honda you can buy. And the price is, frankly, ridiculous. 58990 which puts it square against the Lexus ES hybrid and ahead mm. of the Lexus IS hybrid, both of which have proper claims to being luxury cars. Whereas mm. the Accord, does it? I don't know. It's really more yeah. of a Mazda 6 rival. It's a premium car. A luxury car? Not so mm. sure about that. It's interesting, though. It's not the sort of hybrid that Honda traditionally sells, which is a mild hybrid. This is a part of... It calls it Earth Dreams. That's its name mm-hmm. for it, which is interesting. Um, but it is very, very clever. It's got two electric motors, one a supplementary, one a primary. Um, and it's got a, a non-traditional gearbox that's sort of a CVT, but sort of not. Mm. Uh, and it can consume about four and a half litres of fuel every 100 k's, which makes it the most fuel-efficient mid-size car you can buy Anywhere. Well, that's an impressive claim on mm. its own. That is an impressive And apparently claim. the tech is, yeah. The tech is good. Yeah. Uh, in reality, it drives just like a Camry hybrid, oh. which is less premium, because you can talk about all these fancy features that this car has and other hybrids don't. Yeah. Ultimately, it has the signature hybrid thing, which is it's punchy off the line, all that electric motor, all that torque from zero RPM, quite thrashy higher up in the rev band, a CVT that has that incessant clutch slipping drone about it. It has all the signatures of uh, a hybrid car. Mm. Um, it's very spacious inside. It's cabin's really nice. The elephant in the room, though, is the Accord V6 is $7,000 cheaper and a lot faster. And the Accord four-cylinder is, well, up to $25,000 cheaper Cheapest. and no slower and no less spacious and has a bigger boot. And but they that don't buys- have a sport badge. That's true. <laughs> That's the difference. That price differential buys you a lot of fuel. Mm. Now, now t- Honda has made no secret of the fact that it thinks this car is a Lexus hybrid rival. Lexus has the ES and the IS. The IS is a bit cheaper. The ES is a bit bigger and a a touch more expensive. Both those cars are proper luxury cars. Yes, it's a Toyota underneath, but they've got the sort of cabin quality and design the Honda just Mm. doesn't have, the sort of refinement the Honda just doesn't have. And let's be honest, the badge cachet the Honda doesn't have either. Um, Honda's uh, being a bit ambitious here, and it's kind of unfortunate that the, the hybrid cars Honda has offered over its history here haven't sold very well because they were too expensive. The CRZ, the Civic Hybrid, mm. uh, the, the early Insights, all too expensive. And, and it's fallen into the same trap with this car as well. It's not that the Accord Sport Hybrid is a bad car. Quite the contrary. It's mm. an impressive car in a lot of ways. Uh, it's just that it's 20 grand more than a Camry Hybrid, which is essentially the same thing. Mm. And it's the same as a Lexus. And you just can't charge that kind of money. So... Do you think, though, Honda are potentially a Honda offering this car as like a Lexus, uh, not a Lexus, a legend replacement? Because that car ended, you know, whenever that was a couple of years ago. Well, I was just going to say, Jim, I think if this had of war a legend badge Mm. and obviously the body, well, well, perhaps it would be justified and it would be a Lexus or or an Infinity rival. But to whack it on an Accord badge, as as Mike said, you're in Camry territory. (laughs) You you know, I'm sorry, but... Are people really going to cough up that kind of money to to save a little bit of fuel? And I guess the question is, with that sport badge, have they done anything to kind of tweak the suspension or anything? Is there anything sporty about it? Well, the car's heavier than a four-cylinder because it's got all that electric stuff in it. Mm. So, yes, they have to change the damper settings, but it's predominantly for that. Um, uh, For all a company's claims of, you know, aluminium bumpers and things which save almost no weight... There's no sportiness to its performance. It's comfortable. It rides okay. Mm. It's a bit noisy. It's certainly not sporty. Not even by a long stretch. Again, it's not a bad car. Um, really, what this car is is a branding thing. It's 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 Honda saying, look, we have a hybrid. Yeah. This is a company that was a, high, a, a hybrid pioneer. And yeah. well, you can never take that away from that company. True. But it's fallen on tough times lately. Mm. It's not doing as much as it should be in terms of innovation, in terms of design. And it's not the brand that it was. And this is a kind of good example of that. 
Do you think we're going to see, much like all of the other hybrids in their range, that in a couple of years, the car works, yeah, we've just quietly discontinued that variant? Absolutely. And this is only going to be sold in five dealerships, one in each major city of Australia. Um, they're only bringing a small number in. It really is a marketing tool. Mm. Uh, they're not even talking sales projections of any sort. Mm. Uh, so it's really, you know, if you, if you look at this in the cold hard light of day, it's a bit of an odd one. I think a lot of car company executives are also marketing tools, but uh, <laughs> listen to it. Look, Topical. again, Honda, you know, a yeah. lot of great stuff out there. And but, the regular Accord, not a terrible car. This yeah. even isn't a terrible car itself. It's just way too expensive. But on that note, I guess looking at Honda, Honda as, as a whole brand, um, and, and I guess picking out the Accord as a really good example, the, the weird mid-size segment, which is kind of on the decline, has some really solid options in it now. And, you know, maybe we when the Accord was released a couple of years ago, that was right up there. But since then, you've had some some quite appealing well, kind this, of things coming into that Well, this is the year segment. of the mid-sized car. Totally. An updated Mazda 6. We've yep. had an updated Camry. We've had a new Mondo. Hyundai Sonata, a new Ford Liberty. Mondo, new Super Liberty, new Volkswagen Passat around the corner, new Skoda Superb just around the yep. corner. I mean, every single mainstream car in that market is being replaced. Yep. And uh, it's amazing because, like you say, people aren't buying those cars quite as much as they no. used to. But you can't have mediocre product and you can't have product that's too expensive. And that's precisely what this is. Is, which is yeah. unfortunate. And it, but then again, so you've got the kind of two sides of Honda and you've got some of the, the product that is actually really, really terrific. I, uh, we've talked a bit about the, the HRV. I think that is the pick of that segment. Great little car. I'm yep. such a fan of that and car. And it's selling up a storm. And it's that's keeping them afloat, It's only it? been on sale for half a year and it's already the company's top-selling yeah. car. It's doubled the Civic sales. It's ahead of the CRV. It's ahead of the Jazz. Mm. Yeah, it really is driving that And I company. think from a financial point of view, that car had to work for them. I, I reckon that in many ways could have been a bit make or break, you know, and fortunately, it, it, mm. it's just a fantastic little thing. And again, I, I, we've talked about this on the air before, but I'm, I'm, I think those magic seats that they do are a real selling point. I think that, you know, if you're kind of tossing up between one of two cars, whether it's a Jazz and a Mazda 2, I don't. I think that would be enough to kind of push people over. So they've got these incredible innovations, the technology you talk about in that the Accord, and I've heard a number of people say that this week, the tech is really impressive. Um, it's just about how they harness that and become sexy again. Can Honda become sexy and appealing again? Is that possible? Well, there's always talk of, you know, there's a new Civic next year. They've got these new turbo engines they're going to premiere, which I was lucky yeah. enough to drive in prototype form quite a long time ago yeah. now. Should have arrived by now, haven't. That's that typical conservatism that drives that company. But there is some stuff on the horizon mm. that looks interesting. There's the new NSX coming around Ooh, the corner. Yeah. There's, there's probably going to be a sub-NSX sports car mm. of, of some degree. The Honda's always talking about it. It's doing yeah. F1 again now, which is a really good return. Um, but until these things materialise, yeah. you really can't be sure. No. We can sit here and say and hypothesise that Honda's you know, return is, is nigh, but until we see it... yeah. You've only, you can only call a decision on what you can see, and right now it's not very impressive. That's true. That's true. But you know, we you know, it's such a great brand. It'd be good to see them kind of uh, flying again. So we will uh, we will keep our eyes on Honda. We will. We will. Um, but boys, it is time to shut it down. Yeah, it is time to pass the baton to the boys and the girls from Technogaze. So Matty Brogan, thank you so much for joining us again. Pleasure, mate. Lovely Anytime. to see you, and hopefully people are feeling a lot safer. After hearing your dulcet tones as I well. I hope so. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Mike Costello, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Oh, please, please. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, a lot more 
of the motoring goodness that we like to provide here on Fender Bender. In the meantime, do keep yourself safe on the roads. My name is Tim Nicholson, uh, signing off for Fender Bender. Safe driving. This has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.